There's too many of you crying. Brother, brother, brother. There's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Oh. I just thought that was appropriate to bring the show in. Come on in the room, Marvin. Yes, with your problematic self. Praise the Lord, niggas. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> My Lord. Praise the Lord, niggas. Welcome back to another episode of Getting Grown, the the show where JD and I wax poetic about the worst hood mm. that we have ever endeavored to live in. Adulthood, girl. Oh. We talk about the um the test of trials, the twist of turns, the temptations, and the taxes of being a real live adult in the year of our Lord 2020. Mm -hmm. Yes. How are you, sis? And we are back again for another week of amazement. Woo! Uh, thank you all for being patient last week. Um, Absolutely. I really appreciate you all. We just needed a moment, and we had that. And it's going to be a really good we conversation did. today. So The rerun was actually a good look, I think. I actually enjoyed the replay. Absolutely. I listened to it as well. Absolutely. Um, and stress and stress management are, are things that will always be a part of our day-to-day practice so you know a refresher on how to deal with that is always in order absolutely well so, how you feeling i'm hanging in i'm hanging on in there um you know chilling chilling minding my business that's all that's really all we can do right now mind our own absolutely. business and uh protect our black lives so absolutely with that being oh you? you uh you know i'm doing the same thing actually i'm just trying to stay low and to the ground literally okay <laughs> sticking and moving <laughs> that's it so sticking that, and moving. that is all i got sticking and moving one twos you know what i'm saying a girl's just trying to, i'm just trying to stay ready and mind my business at the same time if that can be a thing at the same time if we're going to talk about duality so absolutely um but with all that being said we got a little trash to get into quickly and then a beautiful kitchen table talk so shall we mosey sis moseying moseying on mosey along then let us get all right so we're going to keep it pretty light because we all understand um, and see everything that's going on in the world. So, you know, we want to take sure. a little escape. Uh, we do, however, want to um, we do want to send our condolences uh, and make sure we acknowledge uh, the lives lost. Um, Olutoyan, I don't think we've been able to talk about Toyin and everybody knows the story. So we're not going to reiterate the story here, but we do send all of our love and uh, want to make sure that we that we say her name as well as all of the trans lives lost um tony mccade dominique fells mm -hmm. and ryan milton so uh, we would just want to make sure we acknowledge all of that before we get into before we get into the trash because let Absolutely. you all know firmly where we stand over here getting grown um so first in the trash your girl raven simone got married to a white woman. Yeah, a white queen. 
she just and that's all i have to say about that yeah like you know congratulations <laughs> uh sure thing, she, she says she found true love and we love to see it you know? so absolutely carry on she, she got married in the quarantine <laughs> i was wondering mm-hmm. how these marriages like how these weddings these planned weddings were gonna happen in the quarantine i mean i i i saw um i saw a couple of weddings on my timeline this weekend um there was one in texas that happened and it and from what i looked like from what i could observe there were folks who were there in their mask Mm -hmm. but it didn't seem like there were any sort of limitation on who can attend or you know and and it didn't seem as though there was a lot of distance amongst the guests but you know i feel like everybody's grown and making their own decisions i will say that one of the things that i did notice and and find and take joy in uh, with regard to Raven Simone's wedding, was that it was catered by Debbie Allen? Wait, what? Dead ass? Yes. Debbie Allen catered Raven Simone's wedding. She did. I think I love that. Debbie Allen was on her. Instagram. <laughs> it was on her Instagram, and Raven was in the comments like, "Girl, cause them oysters was lit." Thank you. Word. That is just so bizarre, and nothing I would have ever expected you to say. <laughs> Debbie Allen catered Raven Simone's nuptials. Honey, and, you know and from what? what I understand, the the vittles were vittling. De- Debbie Allen put on her good walking shoes because she wears them. Um, they're okay. her her old lady her easy spirits. Her easy spirits. Her naturalizers. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, okay. I'm not mad. I am not, and uh, I because I do got I, up I, and had her dance class on Instagram that Friday morning. Then went back to the house and prepared the meals. Okay, more energy than us. Do you hear me? Because I I listen. I stand Debbie. I really do. I stand Debbie. Forever and always. Well, I love to see it. I love to see it. Well, there's been a few, a few, a few uh, moments of, of no social distancing recently. Um, Tiana Taylor, who I had no clue was pregnant. Uh, Congratulations. I mean, I felt like I I didn't know it either. I was actually saw that on Instagram today and Toy was like, yeah, girl. And I was like, well, evidently I've been out of the loop. But congratulations unto the both of them. I literally found out when I saw her listening party posted. And people were like, look at all these lack of masks, which obviously is always my first thought, but I'm trying not to be a bitch about it. It's scary. I just am going to make sure that I'm safe myself. But I see all these people with no masks and all these things gathering just frivolously strangers. You don't know where these people have been. And then I see, well, she's six months pregnant. She needs to make sure she takes care of herself first. I said, well, what? six months. I mean, she's bigly pregnant. Been I mean, pregnant like for a minute. there's a bump. And I didn't yes. know it. So I had no clue. And so that happened. And then mm-hmm. so did a Trump rally. <laughs> a Trump rally Child. happened on Juneteenth in Tulsa, which is not lost. I thought on it was us. the day after Juneteenth. It was June twentieth. Was it June twentieth? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, it was reported that it was supposed to be Juneteenth, but obviously, yes, I'm not but paying, he, yeah, I'm not paying Child. that nigga attention on a Wednesday. So, um, you know, okay. it was this big thing, and we were all, you know, we were all very upset about it because. The irony was not lost on anybody who is hip or clue to the history of black people um, to the Black Wall Street and the massacres in Tulsa, the murders. So um, they had their rally in Tulsa and it was a disaster. (laughs) We are. We just love to see it. We just love 
to see it. A celebration. We do. It was a disaster. And we were absolutely all the way here for it. Um, so Present accounted for. That's you know what? There's many, many things that are going on in the trash, but I just don't even I just don't even feel like talking about them. I feel like getting on to our wonderful kitchen table talk and our shout out because we have great things to discuss there. I'm with it. Okay, well let's mosey. All right, it's time for a shout out. And I'm going to read an email, which I thought is beautiful. It fits into the theme of the episode and it's necessary. So, hi ladies, we're all feeling stressed and overwhelmed with all that's going on in the world today. Many of my friends, sisters, and even coworkers definitely feel that and are looking for a way to mentally de-stress, access calm, and just feel better. As a small step, I've created a free, no ads, no store, no upselling weirdness, online self-care program for women of color. And that site is www.stillretreat.com. My aim is to help women feel better and access calm in 15 minutes every day for seven days. Many women who have already taken the retreat say it's helped them to start to carve out a space to connect with themselves, to recharge and recenter. I know a lot of women really need something like this program at this time. So this is from Etenosa. I'm sorry, and I hope I pronounced that properly. Please let me know if I did not. But or Etenosa, she wrote into us and let us know that she created this stillretreat.com. That's S-T-I-L-L-R-E-T-R-E-A-T.com, stillretreat. And we will make sure that we post all of the information in the description box, but We thought it would be lovely to give her a shout out because this is something that is specifically tailored to us as uh, black women. And um, it's it's something necessary. It's a free service. I mean, how beautiful is that? This is her way of serving the community. So I'll make sure to put all of that information in the description box. Um, And Etinosa, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Kia and I are super, super grateful. And we have Thank a kitchen you. table talk to get to, so let's get on over there. Let's do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Ben and Jerry's three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. So many non-dairy flavors, so little time. Ben and Jerry's has three new non-dairy frozen desserts made with sunflower butter. The Ben and Jerry's flavor gurus have taken a big leap this time, and their new non-dairy flavors are the perfect sweet treats for vegans, vegetarians, and everyone else in between. I actually prefer plant-based ice cream. That's what I that's what I eat because it does not tear up my stomach. Um, I find Ben and Jerry's to be one of the creamiest and the best that I've had thus far. It's not all icy and chippy, and it tastes like ice cream. Like I feel like I'm eating actual ice cream. The creme brulee is delicious. It's beautiful. It's got little hints of caramel swirls and things. Goes great with apple pie. Goes great with my with my other. Uh, my other desserts that are not non-dairy, but it, the non-dairy ice cream is the best part for me because it don't, it don't tear me up. So I absolutely love it. Check out the Ben and Jerry sunflower butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y.com. So we are excited, excited, excited to have a mainstay at the kitchen table on the bar. <laughs> One of our sister friends who just belongs here with us. Absolutely. Um, friends, friends back, guys. Burr, 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 burr. was in the building. <laughs> hey, friends. How are you guys? We are excited. 
Man, I'm just glad to see your face. Oh, I'm just glad to see your face. That makes me happy. I just saw your <laughs> face. <laughs> I literally just came You're from doing... Fran's house like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, man, because y'all Double been working. Duty. Y'all been working, Double working. Double duty over Child. here. I love to see it. Everything good with you, sis? Yes. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. I'm out here working. Me, see, me and Fran together about four times a week. Child. And, uh, <laughs> all the I'm, and, you know, she's not sick of me yet, and I'm grateful. And <laughs> and I don't have anything to complain about outside of these uh, government-planted fireworks. Oh, my God. My please, Lord. Lord please, Lord. Please, Listen, Lord. Listen, you know it's a thing here, too. It's everywhere. It's a thing everywhere. It's psychological warfare on a national level. That's exactly what I'm what hoping is. stuff. <laughs> it's like... No, dead ass. I feel I'm like they're planting made. them in the hood. The way they planted those mounds of bricks (laughs) and niggas love fireworks. So they're like, yes. And they go and they see this big pile and it's Disney World. I legit want to go downstairs and ask them why. That's it. I just want (laughs) to look in his face and say, why are you doing this? Fireworks cannot be that fun. Your hands don't get tired. Because I'm just like, first of all, it's Thursday at like 830. Like, what are they we started on my block and jade is my witness they started at 3 p.m yesterday three and they go till p.m 3 a. M. and don't stop till 3 a.m i'm like i at one point wanted to just cry <laughs> i didn't have the tools yeah. to process that many hours of fireworks i wanted to just cry either that or they're throw trying to stuff. condition our brains i want to throw stuff at them as native new yorkers as people who grew up in in these environments, I can say that this is unprecedented. Yeah. It has never been no. this bad before. Never. So I don't We've always had fireworks. How, like like that's not on. new. Always. Especially if Every you grew up in the hood, you know that that's like a staple. Once it Every, once it hits year. like June, July, up until about September, you're gonna hear fireworks. It's happening. Just how it gets yes. down, but not like this. Not no. the not the cannon sounding it. ones over and over and then starting at three and i'm in pg county i'm just like friends <laughs> <laughs> what are y'all doing like i'm just like this is not the hood so to speak <laughs> right like we are like pg county has his hood areas right. mm-hmm. but you know where like we are hood adjacent <laughs> mm-hmm. for sure that's how mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but I mean, like, y'all, like, I live in a community with young professionals, (laughs) (laughs) or so I thought. So I'm trying to figure out, like, what are y'all doing? Like, help me understand. I saw um, there was an investigative reporter on Twitter who was asking people for some feedback. He was like, please DM me if you're experiencing this. And then he came (laughs) back around and he said from what he gathered, um, some people said that they'd seen random white men pulling up in SUVs and mm-hmm. and really? lighting this and then like leaving or when they asked the young kids where did you receive this from they were like oh some man in the SUV actually like just gave it to us yep. so it's definitely something fishy going on we just haven't connected I've the dots I've been saying it and niggas thought I was crazy and I wouldn't I be surprised like, no. you know I'm the conspiracy theorist ass friend so I'm like yes mm-hmm. that's exactly what's happening <laughs> I, told I mean, friends, that actually like, makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if it has to do with, like, this uh, campaign to defund the police. Maybe they're mm-hmm. like, okay, 
we gonna stress y'all the fuck out and see if you need us, and then we're uh, not gonna be there. They had there was a video I saw they po- where someone posted the police were doing like siren wars. I saw that like, in Harlem. You saw yeah, that? at like three a.m. Yes. in West Harlem. Yes, I saw that. That is exactly what's going. And there, if I'm in here, I had to have the air on. I had to have the gold birds blasting from the damn TV. I'm in the bed, and th- and I still could hear the boom boom in the background insane like absolutely it's, insane it's, madness. it's starting to, it's to really rattle me and i and y'all know how important my sleep yes. is so i'm like oh my sure. god they're wearing me out <laughs> which is why so is today's some- conversation <laughs> <Right>. is so <laughs> important <laughs> which is why we have convened for this very reason um <laughs> Thank y'all for uh, your patience. Last week we did a re-air. We wanted to just kind of like refresh mm-hmm. ourselves on a conversation and get ourselves mm-hmm. ready for for this week's discussion. Uh, we talked last week's conversation centered on stress and stress management and things that we can do to um, deal with uh, stress, you know, in our day to day lives. When um, I think a part of that <clears throat> for me, what I'm learning, especially given such um unprecedented times that we're navigating like in like national context like what it means to be in the bodies that we are in uh in the in the world during the during this time Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and and what that what that looks like and how that shows up in our day-to-day lives one of the things that i i i am um interested in learning more about and getting better at is really building my muscles for joy mm-hmm. and like self-care and we talk about self-care a lot it's a buzzword it's something that people kind of talk about you know sometimes not as substantively but i want to have a, a real substantive conversation about cultivating a practice of that and thinking about joy as um a space for self-care that we deserve, mm-hmm. that we have to have, that we have to prioritize. And I was saying before we started recording that in my friendship with Fran over the years, one of the things that has drawn me to her and it's just one of the things I really admire about, about Fran is that Fran is fearless when it comes to taking care of Fran. <laughs> and it is something that I, you just, you have to respect it. You know, I have seen Fran um literally and you know grow in that in in being able to prioritize herself and not in that like self-centered like you know it's egotistical Mm -hmm. way but in a way that 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 says you know in order for me to be my best self and to do the work that i've been assigned to do i have to make sure that i i have taken optimal Mm -hmm. care of who i am and i've just always I've admired that, that that about you for years now. And now that that's something that I'm trying to um, implement those practices in my own life, um, I wanted us to have a conversation about what that journey has been like for you. Um, so tell us how you learned. Like, you know, what is, what, first, I guess the first question I have, was, was there an incident in your life? Was there um, something that, that, incited this in you what sparked you to kind of take this perspective honestly it had to do with the fact that no one ever cared for me growing up like I you know my my mom covered the 
basics that were important. Like I was eating and going to school and mm-hmm. had clothing. All that was covered. Um, but when it came to like my emotional wellness, my mental health, my spiritual wellness, I didn't have anyone that was asking me any questions or providing that nurture or even serving as some kind of role model or some kind of system that I could Mm. observe. It just wasn't there. And, uh, I saw how much I was suffering because of that. Like it, it, it changed the lens of how, how I saw life. Like I just was, um, you know, you start feeling so victimized, (laughs) like, you know, the world is Mm -hmm. against you because it's like, how was I born? And no one was, excited about it no one I never felt like I was wanted in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and that's just a very Mm -hmm. heavy burden to carry as a as a child especially and then as a an adult growing up you start I well I'll speak for myself I started taking that out on a lot of people like when Mm -hmm. I was dating and in friendships Mm -hmm. and it was almost like I expected things of people because I was trying to recreate those dynamics that I didn't have with my parents and trying to like fix it through people and it was exhausting Mm -hmm. and as I got older I started to which we've talked about before like when you start humanizing your parents and it's less about Mm -hmm. what you did to me and more about how we as a collective are experiencing life right and how it's affecting right. our interpersonal relationships. And once I stepped into that perspective, everything changed because then it became more about mm-hmm. me trying to tap into why my mom didn't have those tools <laughs> as opposed to mm-hmm. pointing the finger that she didn't have them. It was her. like, how do we talk about this right. and get down to it? And that really started making me look at my own tool box. And that's where the self-care kicked in because it was like, well, I can't point the finger at her and, you know, and Mm. not do the same for myself. And that's where things like, you know, even brand deals that I get, if I'm overwhelmed, I'm not going to overfunction for anybody. Even Mm -hmm. you see how Mm. you caught yourself, Kia, when you were like, I don't want to say selfish. I actually have no problem with that word. (laughs) I, I think we should be more selfish. I think we should be more full mm. of ourselves. Like, think about it, full of yourself. What's wrong with that? That's great. Mm. That's, yeah. that's the best way that I will serve you me is if I have that cup full first. And then you're mm. getting my most mm. authentic, optimal voice at that point. And so it was the fearlessness comes from just understanding that this is the only way that I can move in the world is if I take care of me. Because unfortunately, I didn't have anyone else to do it. And if I was going to survive, mm. those tools had to be figured out very, very quickly. What age would you say you were when you started like taking it seriously? Honestly, something, well, the Saturn returns, so I'm not surprised, but something about 29. <laughs> mm-hmm. That 29, 30 frame, everything mm. changed. Suddenly I was looking at the partners I was with and I was like, hell no. it was like this don't feel good that don't feel good I don't want to do this suddenly my nose became a little more confident it's like I found the fearlessness in my throat to just start speaking up because I saw me repeating the cycle of my family and it was like well somebody's got to break this shit somebody 
you know, and and I see how my mom is passive aggressive and she doesn't know how to say no. She does not put herself first. And I'm like, okay, if if anything, that's what she did model for me is what I don't want to continue. And so that has been. Yeah, 2930. That's where shit just shifted. And by 33, I was like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> I say no more than I say yes at this point. <laughs> oh man. I think that's that's real though. So definitely I, I say I say the language that I've been trying to use is like building a muscle mm-hmm. for it. I love because that. Because I do feel like mm-hmm. it is something that first of all. I've been using this metaphor a lot, even in my writing at work. But like, when you think about a muscle, when we've been muscle development, it hurts, mm-hmm. right? So, it is something that that um you're literally ripping it, yeah, yeah. Like you, and it, it is about tearing down what mm-hmm. was, so that something stronger can grow back. Yep. Um, and I don't think that we have dealt with the discomfort that comes with um stepping into this space. Um, and, and that discomfort is intimidating for a lot of people. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I know f- for me, I, it, I have been challenged in finding the part of me that is unafraid to be disruptive as it relates to me, um, prioritizing myself in the ways that I need to. Mm-hmm. I recognize that me being the Kia that I know that I need to be means that the Kia that my mother was most accustomed to is no longer, is going to have to die. Yeah. And the kid that some of my close friendships, uh, you know, is is connected to, um, that kid is going to have to die, which means that as a result, some of those relationships are going to have to die in that way. And I don't, I don't want to use that that language, you know, lightly, but I, I really, it I is mean, a it death. I mean, it is what it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And a death, like, you know, it's the grief. So I, I'm finding that my, like, you know, kinds of conversations that I'm having to have with people who I love. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not about like, you know, you don't, you know, dismiss people that you don't really know, acquaintances, people that you haven't spent a lot of time with. But when you talk about, I'm not moving in this way anymore. And as a result, you and I may not be able to connect in the ways that we once did. We talking about relationships that have years on them, mm-hmm. like. So yeah, it's no easy feat. Were there were there instances in in your in your process in your transition where you had to deal with the pain of of that change, that that stretching, that building of muscle? Mm-hmm. What were some? Were there any examples that come to your mind that for somebody who like me may be struggling in learning how to find their no? Mm-hmm. And they're no more, and they're not now, and they're all of that, and they're all of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we actually, you know, we had a, an episode that I really loved of Friend Zone called "Good Kid, Mad City" a couple, maybe mm-hmm. a couple months ago already, and it was basically the pain of being the good kid, mm-hmm. the silent suffering of being the good kid, and that episode really hit home for a lot of us because we talked about. One case in particular, I read a case from this therapy website and it was a a young girl who had done everything right. You know, went to the school her parents wanted. She was a good kid. She listened. She was compliant. And by the time she was older, she realized she had no idea who she was. (laughs) She didn't know what she Mm -hmm. liked. She didn't know what she wanted. She had internalized her parents' voice to the point that it literally 
usurped her own. And that's when she was like, even her relationships that she was in, she's like, I didn't mm-hmm. even know what I liked, who I liked. Mm-hmm. I, it's just like no connection to self. Mm-hmm. And and her therapist told her, where what's your biggest fear? And she feared not having the love and approval of her parents. And she said, so her therapist asked her, which one is a bigger suffering? You know, mm-hmm. the, the thought of losing their approval and their shiny, bright, glowing view of you or living a life that's authentically yours. Mm. And she was like, wow. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. as, you know, as soon as she started removing her parents' voice and expectations and, and deciding, like, this is what I like, this is what I desire, these are my needs... Yeah, she said, guess what? Her parents actually didn't really love her as much. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and they didn't glow. One line she said that stuck out to me was she said, when they saw her, they no longer glowed. Mm-hmm. And that was heart-wrenching for her, but not in comparison to a life that she was completely disconnected from living. And I thought that was so profound just to see that process that she had to endure. And so, no, the work is not easy. When people Mm -hmm. say, like, just do the work and spiritual and self-care, it's not just bath bombs. It's actually losing Mm -mm. quite possibly your relationship to your parents if it's not in alignment with your highest self and relationships. And being brave enough, that's where the fearlessness comes in. Because I know that if I feel good, the people that will vibrate with that are going to Mm -hmm. be there. And the people that don't will not be there. And that's not always going to be... That, you know, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow. I have lost a couple friendships, um, not too many. For the most part, I think what does happen is there might be some distance mm-hmm. where it's like there's mm-hmm. no beef, but there's mm-hmm. also not much for us to talk about. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. And then there are the friendships, too, where you acknowledge that you're trauma bonding. I saw people saying that a lot about uh Issa and Molly <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> on Twitter, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting perspective right. where notice they only get together and fall in line with each other when everything's fucked up. Falling right. apart. But notice when shit's what's good, happening right now. <laughs> exactly. Look how the season mm-hmm. ended. They both, mm-hmm. you know, were heartbroken. Right. <laughs> so it's like, oh, let me call Issa. You know, and it's that's just like the source of their reconnection. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I had relationships where the the our fun was getting pissy drunk and venting about how men weren't shit or how our parents mm-hmm. did this. And then when stuff was good, we actually didn't even really call each other like that. So those mm-hmm. are things I took mm-hmm. note of, you know? And even my dad, like, I stopped trying to create a relationship yes. that clearly he didn't want. And mm-hmm. that was a big one for me. It's like, okay, how do you not take that personal? <laughs> right. 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 We just, it's right. funny, people, you know, people when they joke on Twitter, like, that kid got bad vibes. <laughs> like, parents that don't <laughs> connect with their kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, we, my dad and I don't fuck with each other. Like, what you gonna do? <laughs> it's just a lot there between it. us that is a barrier to us connecting. I don't know what the barriers are. He does, you know, and I have to respect mm-hmm. it and honor that that's just what it is. But what my job was was to stop trying mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was making my life difficult. It was a source of pain and confusion, especially because mm-hmm. it's something I didn't have control over. So my advice is 
similar to the therapy blog, except that this is going to be painful. Yeah. And it's not, spiritual work is not ever going to be easy. Easy. I don't want you all to get swept up in Beyonce's song. It's a wonderful song. We love it very much. <laughs> but, you know, you don't charge your crystals in the moonlight and light your nag champa and think that everything <laughs> is going to be all good. You know what I'm saying? I've had to deal with the same thing with, with my parents, my mother especially, with several expectations that she had of me. And it is not easy to say I am not going to live up to those expectations because that right. is not the person that I am. But that's what I that's the boundary that I've had to set with my mother. And imagine setting that with the person who brought you into this world and right. the amount of And not guilt. internalizing it as you being a failure just because you didn't live up to right. their exactly. perception. Exactly. Yeah. And I have that's to be one. very vocal about that. I have to be very vocal and let her know when I don't agree with things that she says. I actually will combat it. To the point where my mother calls me combative and and I own it. Good. I'm like, you're right. I am combative because I don't agree with you on this and I'm never going to agree with you just for the, I love you very, very much. And I'm always going to love you, but I'm not going to agree with you if I don't agree with you. And that's just never right. what it's going to be. And if that means that our relationship has to cool off, I've told my mother on several occasions, if you feel like you need to take some distance from me for a while, then you go ahead and do that. And that's not an easy thing to tell your mother. And right. of course, they, they instill no. the mom guilt. I brought you into this world. I took care of you. I did mm -hmm. so forth and so on. And you have to work to not receive that projection of guilt because you're like, uh-uh, wait a minute, girl. You're supposed to do those things. But that doesn't <laughs> mean that I don't get a right to speak up about something that I don't agree with. Right. So I fully, I, I'm, I'm right there. I fully agree with you, Fran. It, it takes work and it's not Ooh. easy work. And it's and it's, it's work that doesn't just like stop overnight. Like I think this yeah. is a lifelong undoing and unlearning yep. and unraveling. Right. Because mm -hmm. it's it's we've discussed this on when we did the daddy issues episode where it's like healing is not linear. I had some months mm -mm. and like so good and I feel like I have mm -hmm. a good grasp on everything I've been through and how to process it if anything comes up and kicks up in my spirit. And then there'll be a week <laughs> or another mm -hmm. month where I am in shambles and suddenly mm -hmm. everything that's ever happened to me is in my face and I'm crying <laughs> yes. and I'm in my house, Mariah Carey wall sliding. And I just, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's like, how does that happen? I was just, I thought I was fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. a range of human emotions. Right. <laughs> it is. I think I think it comes back to what we talked about, like this process of unlearning mm -hmm. um, and like literally like recasting, reframing. Mm -hmm. I got to a point. It probably was around 29, if I'm being right? honest. Mm -hmm. But I got to a point. The golden when, yes. <laughs> yeah. I got to a point when I realized, like like the young lady in the example from the blog, that I had no sense of knowing things for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think what complicated that even further for me was church, mm. um, specifically around, because, um, you know, I think, I think like, you know, one of the things, just kind of like, let me see how I want to say this, because it's, 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 it is, I think a lot of times we take on things, we're indoctrinated and socialized to do things. 
Um, and it and it seems like the right thing to do because everybody's doing right. it. Mm-hmm. But something clicked over on me around that age where it was like I really wanted to know my motive for doing something, believing something mm-hmm. um, for myself. I wanted to be able to defend it. Yeah. And I say it happened around that time because I think for me, one of the things um, that graduate school kind of opened me up to is that like, you know, when you're establishing yourself as a voice, as an authority about something, you have to be able to have the capacity to defend your ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. And I, I looked around and realized that a lot of the things that I felt and believed and held so tightly to were because my mama said or because my grandfather mm-hmm. said <laughs> Or because, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And when it came down to why I really believe things, um, and that's something, you know, and y'all know me, I'm a church baby, and I don't think I'll ever not be. Mm-hmm. But but there was something that happened where it was like, my it became less about the practices of going to church and doing those things, you know, that church folks are supposed to do, and more about, like, really knowing Jesus for myself, mm-hmm really understanding him as a person who walked the earth and looking at things that we read from the perspective of that actual human lived experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then looking at using that as a framework for what that meant for me and my lived experience. And I started to notice there were some things that didn't line up (laughs) or things that, that didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't never, it was never been about me denying or or talking trash about you know because i feel like people do the best they can with what they got of course um and when you know better you do better Mm -hmm. so i learned a little bit better so i've started to do better for myself um but it was around 29 where i started to really really want to understand things and understand myself for myself and to be able to know what i want without somebody having to tell me what that looked like. And I think um, that that resulted in some shifts and changes in my, in my relationships in my family and my close personal friendships and things like that. Um, And it's still, so I'm saying this to say like, you know, when we talk about it being a practice, Mm -hmm. there are, there are ways that it still shows up um, where I realize, you know, I, I have to sit and do the the inquiry, the inquiry and reflective work of like, well, why do I believe that so hard? Like, you're like, mm-hmm. why is this so important to me, and why am I willing to die on this hill? <laughs> like, I mean, uh, and, and I I think that's something that's coming up for me now more and more, given where we are in the world, and I've gotten to a place where I can say that, you know. Church has stopped feeling good. Mm, that's real. Mm. And not because I don't believe no. in the in God. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the practice of things that we do. It stopped. It got to a point where it what was man it was, has created of God. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm like it was. It was less. And the things that we, the things that I'm, I'm, I'm learning that some, and I'm not every church, but some churches, some church leaders, to me, their focus is not. Our focus is are different Mm -hmm. so now i'm in this space where i am thinking about how do i given this world that we live in that we we navigating things we never had to navigate before and it feels like we can't do nothing about it Mm -hmm. we have to accept certain horrible things about our lives 
and I don't want to live in this space, this ordained space. I feel like God knew we was going to be in this space, right? <laughs> so that being said, how do how do I live in this space and find ways to lean into whatever this space is designed to teach us and not let the parts of me that keep me going forward, the joyful parts, the restorative parts, not let those parts be overshadowed mm-hmm. by all the mess. Mm-hmm. So that was a really long way of segueing into the, <laughs> to the joy, the joy conversation, because to me, joy is, is not conditional, right? We enjoy is something that we have to have or we we choose to have despite what's going on in our circumstances mm-hmm. around us. So Fran, Jay, mm-hmm. jump in, let me know what are some of the things and the ways that you are aiming or aspiring to be diligent and holding on to to the joy of um, life as a as a means of your self-care, as a part of your self-care. Well, I love that you compared it to like field research because for me, it's like I didn't have anyone to teach me how to do any of this. So I had to learn by being my own example and embodying those practices. And, you know, something as simple as removing a relationship that doesn't make you feel good, you start seeing how much more space you have. (laughs) and then slowly you're like oh what else can I it's like when you start going through your closet (laughs) and you know how at first Mm -hmm. you don't want to get rid of anything because you're like but I could wear that next year Mm -hmm. or I might need that for a party (laughs) but then you know how there's something that shifts in your brain where as soon as you really start being like okay just let it you know you're not gonna wear that (laughs) (laughs) like and suddenly you want to throw your whole closet away Yep. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you have bags and bags and bags and it's and then the question becomes, okay, girl, well, you need something to wear outside. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> you get hyped, okay? And it's the same thing for me where it's like once I got into that space of like, oh, I have the power to design a life that feels good. Well, I'm on a rampage. And it's mm-hmm. funny because I actually think you have to go to the opposite extreme end of the spectrum in a way. Where you like start feeling it a little too much mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you want to mm-hmm. get rid of everything. But then that's important because you need to experience the spectrum for yourself. And mm-hmm. then you find your footing over time of like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe that, maybe I didn't need to say no to that. I just was excited mm-hmm. yeah. to say no. <laughs> yeah. I was ex- I found my voice and got a little too excited that I could use it. Yeah. And you start saying no to everything and then slowly you reel it in. And find that center of the spectrum where you're like, okay, this is who Fran is. This is mm-hmm. this is the comfort zone. This is the sweet zone. This is a spot where my voice actually lies and not me, you know, the one spectrum where you're removing and the other spectrum where you're practicing. That middle mm-hmm. part is where mm-hmm. you're being. Mm-hmm. And it's just so beautiful when you get wow. there. And so now I feel like that's why I'm so comfortable because I know what feels good and that's all that matters to me now. And so even something as simple as like my home with all my plants and my diffuser. And it's like, Mm -hmm. this is my safety. I didn't grow up with safety and I had to create Mm -hmm. it. And now that I have it, you are going to have to pry it from my fingers. (laughs) 
from my Absolutely. dead fingers. <laughs> Take, give me your comfort, you Taurus. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not easy because there is a guilt. I, I've spoke about this on a round table I was a part of recently. Shout out to Miriam Hazne is one of my closest yes. friends. Oh, she put a round amazing. table of black oh, women, right? Black women Ooh. healers and energy mm. workers and visionaries. And it was just so powerful because they're all so amazing that I mm-hmm. even cried on the round table. I mm. cried because I was like, wow, man, this is what black women in their power look like. Mm. Like what a mm-hmm. blessing that I get to be around that. And those are my peoples. And, and, one of the women, her name is Sumaya. She's a doula. She's incredible. She said that when people were asking her if she protested, she said, yeah, I took a three-hour bath. Yeah. Oh, when I tell you that, it was everything. <laughs> that was everything. And I was I like, lived. this is incredible. She said that was her protest because her grandma Absolutely. always taught her, your job is to be beautiful and black and live and survive oh. and just like you're not in a in a yes. space of like trying to be seen she said her grandma always told her she was beautiful and always told her she was important wow. and always instilled that so her only job is to be and to mm-hmm. take yes. her baths and and live a lavish life where she's just a beautiful woman who gets to do what she wants and that's her radical that's her most radical form of protest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hearing that, that really affected me. Back. I cried. Number one, I cried hearing that she had the opportunity to grow up being affirmed because yeah, we don't hear that, that a lot. And mm-hmm. that affected me on so it like hit me to my core in happiness that somebody got mm-hmm. to experience that it, it existed somewhere in our collective experience. And and then to hear her form of protest, which the average person might take wrong and be triggered by mm-hmm. because you know a lot of us are like well you got to be in the front lines and it's like listen we're all here to do whatever we are called to do and that's the beauty of it mm-hmm. you know and and yeah. i love that that's what she felt called to do <laughs> and and you know and i admitted that i was in in a on the fence i'm holding both mm-hmm. dots at the same time well yeah i'm the one that is going to go take that radical protest bath but Jade and Crystal and I still went and got food and waters and went to the protest to nurture our community because we also yeah. understand the importance of that experience yeah. and wanting to be an ecosystem where we're all pushing each other mm-hmm. in whatever we are being called to do. And so mm-hmm. for me, that's all a long way to say, <laughs> whatever <laughs> you feel called to do, Whatever you feel called to express, I think the beauty of finding that voice is is like doing what it means to you without guilt. Like, I love that she said yeah. that. It really impacted mm, me because yeah. she didn't look guilty. No. <laughs> she didn't. She and she totally didn't. And then she didn't try self. to like she didn't try to. Uh, she didn't try to appeal to us either on how we reacted to that either. Mm-hmm. It was like it was mm-hmm. a very I said what I said. It was a statement, period. Period. Period <laughs> at the end it. of the period. sentence. And I was like, what an embodiment. <laughs> that yeah, yeah. is goals to me. <laughs> and because in a lot of ways I, I am that way, but I still do have that ping of guilt of like, I need to do more for my community. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do mm-hmm. you know the blessing of if you take care of yourself <laughs> in a world that isn't trying to take care of you in any way? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's a radical protest. Especially mm-hmm. as black Absolutely. women that we tend to put ourselves last in every realm, whether it's work, We're taught to do family. It, yes. Yeah, Addition. you know, and it's 
this is a form of protest. And I and I was just so affected by that. And I think it's a message that I want women to integrate and internalize mm-hmm. that we have that birthright. That's how I feel I about that. joy. You know, I um I think I've always kind of used my my personal joy almost as a defense mechanism um, yeah. beforehand. And now I've learned to find more of a balance. I kind of like Fran was saying, sometimes I feel guilty for moments where I'm like, I don't feel as bad as I should right now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I feel like I should That's feel worse. One. <laughs> and I'm like, mm-hmm, but I don't. And <laughs> I find that it is a protection for me. And it is a form of protest when things are so, because things can get bad. Like last week, I had a hell of a fucking week. <laughs> and I find that if I sit in that, it's not conducive for me. So I can have a hell of a week. I can have a hell of a day. I can have a hell of a conversation. But I always try to find, it could be something, I could end up looking at Twitter and I see something that makes me bust out laughing. And I <laughs> use that as my way to climb out of that because I know me sitting in that is not hurting anybody but myself. So I've found, even I felt guilty about posting the cocktail videos. I remember. And I, I was like, yeah. hell no, Jade. <laughs> and then I, and I got mm-hmm. over it quick. Had a conversation with friend. Had a conversation with self. And I was like, you know what? Niggas need drinks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, niggas need drinks. Right now, of all times, while this shit is busting in the background, and you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's bombs over Baghdad. Like, niggas <laughs> need drinks right now. And you know what happened? When I went ahead and went with that mind and I did that, niggas were happy. They were like, thank you. Yeah. We need drinks. And they drinks. were supportive of it. They were like, thank you Very for creating so. during this time. And that's where I realized that's part of my protest to provide the lane. joy that I provide to myself. Because let me tell y'all something. I have a good time by myself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's nothing over here. And providing that joy just with energy to other people is a form of my personal protest and how I serve my community because there are people who don't know how to find that joy. And so I use that as a strength. Than when I'm able to take those moments, even in, in, in utter turmoil in, in my personal life, I take those moments of joy and it helps me to feel good and it's projected onto the community as well. And you're reminding Absolutely. people that they have the permission. I think that's yes. a big one in our it's community. It's okay. Yeah. You're completely allowed. And one thing I want to add, Ikea and I have had conversations about this before where mm-hmm. Uh, whatever feeling is coming up, whether it's like anger, sadness, depression, mm-hmm. joy. I always talk about this poem by Rumi. It's called The Guest House, mm-hmm. where in the poem he says, you know, feelings are like a guest house. You open the door and there's a new one every morning. <laughs> and mm-hmm. your job is to mm-hmm. let them in and sit with them, you know. And, and I think I noticed that we are so welcoming of sadness, <laughs> When, it, when sadness mm-hmm. hits, we'll sit with it and, and stew in it. Depression hits, we'll stew mm-hmm. in it. But with joy, I noticed that a lot of us have a trouble receiving that guest. When it knocks it on is, the door, we have something. guilt. We don't know yeah. how to let it in. We think we don't. Oh, you, you yeah. knocked on the wrong door. It's, it's like we don't know how to let that in. And I love when the other day we were at Crystal's house and we were singing... 
immature songs. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're saying a medley of things. We sang a medley of immature's greatest hits. Very random night. <laughs> Very random night. But it was probably the most fun I've had in such a long time that when I was in the Uber home, my body felt different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. and this is the thing about letting joy in, even amidst turmoil and chaos and when that guilt hits like don't forget that you have the capacity as a multi-dimensional being to carry all of these experiences at the same time i can sing an immature medley and still be in complete awareness of yeah. what our community is going through absolutely one doesn't cancel the other and and, I'm a and one just up you, make friend. sure yeah good i'm a one up you not only not only do do you have the should you have the capacity for that you deserve that especially as a black right. person you, you have, have a right the only to experience way it will that joy sustain i mean like suffering all the time we already experienced that and that's what exactly. i was saying about my childhood i never very i can't even think i feel bad because sometimes people will ask me things about my childhood oh did you ever do this and i'll be like no <laughs> Mm-hmm. My shit was terrible. <laughs> People don't understand. And their reaction, the reactions be so wild. It'd be like, oh, oh I'm okay. yeah, because it's like, no, I was not that kid with like the cute birthday parties and the bicycle. Like, no, there was a lot of suffering and death and trauma and abuses. Like, mm-hmm. it was like a bad Tyler Perry movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, yeah. and so now the moments that I get to sit with my friends and sing stupid songs for five hours straight because that's what we found fun, like I'm yeah. going to lean into it. Because <laughs> yeah. you need Absolutely. it on a cellular level. I need to remember that this is allowed. And not only it's, it's, a, it's allowed, it's restorative. It is, it is, I think it is a part of our practice of of continuing yes Mm -hmm. we need to imprint that into ourselves Mm -hmm. like hey little cells remember you can feel this too (laughs) you can and i think it's it's essential and i honestly feel like it is our responsibility to impress that upon a generation that's coming oh my god Mm -hmm. so So like as we as we are navigating the traumas that were were put on us and that we are unlearning it is our duty to share what to share this new knowledge and information with the people that are coming behind us. Because when I really think about it and I talk to my grandparents and I talk to older people, cause I love stories and I love history in that way. But, but I think if, if you, if you look at our history in this country as a people surviving horrible shit is our birthright, mm. man. It is something that we have literally been built to do. Mm-hmm. We the I, I on on Juneteenth the way that I chose to celebrate was to start a thread on Twitter asking people to share their favorite things I about love being black. That. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the things that and I did it on Twitter and Instagram. I love that. And got such positive response. But one of the things that kept coming up over and over again, in addition to things like our laugh, <laughs> things like our our capacity to make make fun out of anything, not fun of anything, but fun out of anything. Mm-hmm. We can make game and sport. We can make difficult <laughs> things enjoyable. It's facts. Um, 
Look how nothing survi- survives black Twitter. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> like, we can find the humor in everything. In everything. And that's not, so some people would say that that's not, that's us not taking things seriously when I think it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I think that having the capacity to, to, and, and to be, to, to look at things and have that duality about things by being able to be present in how awful the thing is, but then to see the humor in it. And to use that humor mm-hmm. to navigate through it, I think is a, is a gift that we have. And that's something that kept coming over and over again. We have survived terrible shit before as a people, mm-hmm. totally based on the fact that we can make up dances and songs <laughs> and words and we can literally have nothing mm-hmm. and still have a good time. It's true. I got like nothing. I think I was 12 <laughs> or 13 and I had a man pull a gun on me. And I had to stand there and had the gun right there. My sister was maybe 15, 16. She got bit in the head by a homeless nigga. Like, bit <laughs> so hard with the strength oh that you bite into Jesus. a chicken breast that Jesus she had to get Christ shots Lord. in her head. And, and and to this day, we still make fun of the nigga who put the gun on me because we remember what his <laughs> door looked like. <laughs> And we still will laugh and we'll be like, remember when you got bit in the head by that homeless <laughs> nigga? And I find that to be a form of, the, uh, you know, a form of that protest or that radical joy because we can take a terrible experience. And control how it hits our body. That's, exactly. that's how I view it. I'm going to control how I inter- internalize this experience. Exactly. That's my power. It's become, it's become the only coping mechanism that that i know like literally like and y'all know that this time of year is tough for me because we lost brian four years ago around this time Mm -hmm. and his birthday's coming up Mm -hmm. so like this this particular juncture of the year is always challenging for me but one of the things that literally pushes me to keep going is thinking about the fun that me and my brother used to have Mm -hmm. Thinking about songs we used to sing in my mom's back seat. Thinking about when he used to jones on me. Like I was telling my friend the other day the story of I was in this wedding. This was years ago. I was I was still in college. So I maybe was like a junior in college. That might be 20 years old. I was in this girl's wedding. I wasn't really close to the girl. Just a girl at the church who was getting married. She called my grandma and asked if I would be her bridesmaid. And my grandmother was like, sure. And I was like, grandma, what are you doing? But, <laughs> so I was in this girl's wedding. <laughs> And out of nowhere, like I was running around. I had to work. Her wedding was on a Saturday afternoon. I had to work that morning running around and managed to get to her house, managed to get in the dress, hadn't really taken care of myself. I didn't eat, just got to the church so we can get through the wedding. And I passed out in the wedding. Oh, shit. In the wedding? Literally made it. In the wedding, I made it down the aisle and was standing up there with the rest of the bridesmaids. I was the tallest. So I was like the first one to come Mm -hmm. in. I was standing on the end. And was literally standing there like, wow, I made it. It was been a crazy day. I made it. We're here at the wedding now. I just got to get through the wedding and I can get to the reception and all will be well. And I literally remember thinking like, it is so dark in the church. But oh, in my the world, God, no. Is it dark? Like, why would they turn the lights oh out? Like, <laughs> and the you next thing I knew, I was out. on the floor. <laughs> I was blacking oh out and I was on the floor and I woke up and my brother was standing like I literally opened my eyes and his face was over mine like what is wrong with you like he was just so disgusted 
it was like it was like he was less than concerned about how I was actually feeling, like my health. Right. But he was just like, You have embarrassed me <laughs> and you need to explain what the problem is. But just thinking about that story and telling that story literally was the only way I was able to wipe my tears <laughs> and carry on about my day. Just thinking about how disgusted he was with me <laughs> because I had passed out in this girl's wedding. She was like, what is wrong with you? What is like, I mean, he was fussing, a full fuss. And I was on the ground like, what Wait, is happening? Not, the fact just floating that this is not the first time I've heard this is not from you. My home, Whew. one of my best friends was diagnosed <laughs> with breast cancer last year and um, mm-hmm. ended up getting a double mastectomy. And it, you know, it was, and it happened literally, she was diagnosed a month after her mother-in-law passed from breast cancer. You would think that that, you know, she would be down in the dumps. She came, she met me, she came and flew to me in person to tell me that she had it. And then I saw her afterwards. And one of the first things she said to me, she was like, so, bitch, do I look like a little boy or what? (laughs) Oh, no. But right after she had the, the, the double mastectomy, she goes and does like a sibling trip with three of her siblings. So they're all at a restaurant and she's not eating very much because she's not feeling good from the medication. And so she was drinking wine there in Colorado. And so the altitude was high mm-hmm. and she ends up passing out in the restaurant. She wakes up and all three of her siblings are standing over her. Bitch, what is what the fuck is wrong with you? Exactly. Eat some goddamn food. And if you That's eat some it. food, you won't be embarrassing us. Fall as, fall exactly. as, they're apologizing to the people in the restaurant. Sorry. And she, exactly. Not sorry and she's that telling she the story dying laughing. So, <laughs> yes. But that was such a thing. That's what we find ways to laugh at ourselves and like laugh at our pain. And and that's how we get through. And I think when we sit in that, that's when we really that's when it that's when it starts to eat at us. But when you're able to Mm -hmm. to kind of overcome that by laughing at it or or by finding joy in other things, you you take power over it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Awesome. Well, I think that we have uh sufficiently dealt with this topic yes that was a great i'm excited guys i enjoyed it so much thank you for including me always absolutely friend is the person that who i think of when i'm like should i do this (laughs) like when i think of when i think of like you know like you like very slowly but gratefully building my home Mm. into the space Mm -hmm. that i that is mine that i love and when I think about and Jade and I, Jade helped me through this too. Like, you know, I'm struggling in um, feeling worthy mm-hmm. of the things that I want. Right. Because I have conditioned myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've conditioned myself, you know, to just, oh, I, I can just get by with what I need. I didn't need a big, a big grand bed. I didn't need, you know, these kinds of things, you know, when I was a struggling graduate student. And now it's like, no, I don't necessarily need a king size bed, but I like it. Yeah, why not? So, got that all that room. <laughs> why not? Why not? I mean, just go ahead. I like, told you, sure. I said, you I look mean, dumb as hell if you had a twin bed in that room. You better get a king size bed. You first of all, you a big a ass nigga. You tall as hell. <laughs> like, what the hell? You look like in a full size bed. <laughs> but feeling like feeling like it's okay for me to, because I feel you know I th- I don't. We grew up humble beginnings, mm-hmm. right? I watched mm-hmm. my mother struggle financially and making sure that we had what we needed. And mm-hmm. I, I just value and appreciate the sacrifices that she's made that I don't ever want to be flippant 
with my money or flip it with anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But thinking about, I always think about like, you know, would friends say that I deserve this? I think she would. I would always say like, yes. <laughs> you know she is. My favorite thing to say, like when I'm deciding if I should get something, I'm always like, my favorite thing is being like, you give so much to the world as it is on so many levels like you deserve everything it's very rare that i say <laughs> no to myself at this point because i'm like i of course i deserve it that's the default answer <laughs> and then then the, the brain it. has to kick in like but should you friend mm -hmm. <laughs> should you spend that the bad astronomical uh, price ticket <laughs> on this shit that you don't actually need but i'm always gonna need, say right. yes because i am my number one fan <laughs> mm -hmm. I got to love on me. I first. love on I me hard. I deserve Absolutely. it. Somebody has to love on me hard, and I'm doing it Absolutely. in the meantime. So, That's you know, it. I'm going to say yes to all of the things, all of the king beds. <laughs> yeah. And I had to all overcome that with mom shit. I had to be like, you know, I used to feel guilty about buying things for myself, even very. Oh, as that's a not big thing with ago. parents. I see that yeah. with all my friends and the parents. Y'all feel guilty for eating an ice cream without your kid around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I stopped. Let me tell you who stopped that shit. Because I sat here one day and I was like, nigga, I work hard. And this right. little nigga has no worries. Like, I mean, when I right. tell you not a one. She don't have a worry. If she turn every time she turns around, it's a fucking Barbie thing in her face. You know what I'm saying? She's loved and she's full and she's well adjusted and yeah. you know what I'm and saying? So, and she's affirmed and supported and, affirmed. and emotionally taken care of. Like I see how when she has something that maybe you wouldn't agree with, instead of you telling her no, you explore that with her because mm -hmm. you realize that she's not you. And I love right. that. I love how she has Jade and, and Tristan allow her to have space when she needs a break from them. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. kids need a break from our energy they too. Do. Like, And she needs to go take a bath and sing for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she does. She, she has and to she recalibrate. <laughs> She's a person. Like, And I love she that y'all view her as that and y'all honor that space in her because... She's not going to know to honor it in herself if she does not see you guys mm. honoring it in her. You're building that practice. And now Noah's a little friend. Yeah. Noah, Noah does what? What did she do when we were at Crystal's house the other day? Noah went outside. She was sick of us. We were loud. She was on the iPad. <laughs> she went outside on the deck. And, and was she meditating. Meditating. We looked and little <laughs> hands were like this. And she's looking up at the sky meditating. She's like, I just needed quiet. And, and and we let her have that <laughs> you know what i'm saying so Go ahead, so that when Noah. she gets older she doesn't feel guilty that's not projected onto her she doesn't feel guilty about about yeah. feeling good about yeah. receiving good things in her life which so many of us struggle with we have a hard time with it just just pleasuring ourselves in whatever way that is i'm not even yeah. being nasty right. you know yeah. what i'm saying reminding her that her voice that her voice is there for a reason and i think that's yep. a big one when parents try to make us so compliant they don't realize yes. how much of a disservice they're <laughs> doing to us because then we end up saying yes to everyone because we just want right. to for the rest we, of our lives yeah, we want you to like us that they don't want you to deal with so exactly. you literally you know don't know how not to be that way and parents have to keep in mind you are setting the tone for how we connect to everyone after you which so is choose why I wisely. Teach her, you don't <laughs> seek anybody's acceptance, not even ours. Like whatever makes you happy, we want to nurture that. 
And then Absolutely. you 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 take that and you run with it and carry that that energy with you with dealing with all these raggedy niggas. And when I say niggas, <laughs> that is all encompassing because I don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> with her when she gets older. But it's all encompassing. It is human beings. <laughs> so, well, friend, we love you so much. We always I love, love you, you guys to the too. Table. I'm always so happy to come on getting grown. I feel like. Y'all be having the realest conversations and it don't even feel like work. <laughs> and when you work with black it women, don't. only magic happens. So I'm I'm Thank always you. happy That's to it. step into this kingdom. Those are the rules. <laughs> well, I will see you in an hour. Cause I cause I, <laughs> I look at your face all day. <laughs> I love you guys and have hours. an we incredible you. rest of your show. You too. Thank boo. you, friend. Bye. Love you. Bye guys. Honestly, truly. Okay, it's honesty box time. So let's go ahead and get into our honesty box. You want to give oh. her a pseudonym, sis? Okay, uh, let's call her uh, uh, Geraldine. Geraldine. <laughs> she says, hi, Chef Jade and Dr. Kia. <laughs> I love the podcast so much. You ladies are such amazing humans and I love your advice. Thank you, Geraldine. I am currently going through a situation and want your insight on this. I met a family through a program at my school for international students. The program was intended to be a bridge between the community and students from foreign countries. When the duration of the program was over, the family asked me to move in with them and they offered to give me their second car to drive. I asked what I would have to give in exchange and the mom, let's call her Katie, said I didn't have to pay anything. She said the Holy right. Spirit was... Uh, inspiring her to help me out. And so I accepted the opportunity and was grateful to God for it. Uh -oh. Fast forward to 2020 and Katie's mom visits the house a few times. Katie is a single mom. She's white and adopted a beautiful, smart black girl. Let's call her Sophia. Katie's mom, Jenny, was nice to me at first, but she began to act strange to me and said some things to make me feel very unwelcome. I'm a black woman and I spotted the microaggressions right away. Her tone was very rude and she made some very offensive comments as well. I brought it up to Katie after much deliberation and running it by my black friends to see if I was tripping or not. When I brought it up to Katie, she brushed it off, took her mom's side and completely invalidated my experience. At this point, I knew it was time for me to start packing my things because of a couple other things I'd had, I'd he I had heard. One day, Sophia asked me if I was a slave. And I almost froze because I was so confused as to why this child would have an impression of me as a slave. I brought all of this up again during the recent events with Black Lives Matter in our country just to address it. Katie got very defensive and said I was attacking her. She followed that with asking for her car back and asking me to move out. She said that I was enjoying part of her privilege by driving her car. I am currently homeless and without a vehicle staying with some of my friends. Um, until I can figure out my next move. My question is, should I bring this up again or just pack my stuff and never look back? I really do care about Sophia and I feel obliged to be the voice of a black woman in her life to help her deal with some of the things she will experience as a black girl in this country and world. Because clearly her mom will never be able to understand her experiences and has shown me that she would rather brush something off and get defensive than deal with it. I'm going through so much right now. Please keep me in your prayers. I will keep you updated. Thank you so much, ladies. And that's from Geraldine. Geraldine, girl. Sis. I'm so sorry. So much so. This sounds terrible. Um, I will say this. 
collect all of your things mm-hmm. and get as far away from this white woman as you possibly can. I recognize and um, really respect your um, your thoughtfulness and concern about the, the little black child that this white woman is raising. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it is um, fair and appropriate for you to, I mean, I'm not sure. It's hard for me to say, given, I don't know the age of Sophia, the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, she's clearly a young girl I, though. She's a young girl. Um, I think, uh, and, and to that extent, I think that it's completely, um, understandable as to why you would want to support her. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that I would, I don't necessarily see a, a, a means for you to do that um, in a way that is safe for you and for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is one of those situations where it is what it is. Unfortunately, this white woman is her mama. Yeah. And I, th- I think to the extent possible, you can make yourself available as a support for her. But I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what, what the parameters of that possibility would be given we don't know the age that she is and the conditions on with which you guys would be able to move forward with any sort of relationship in the future. So mm-hmm. I think that one thing that we can agree to do is to cover little baby Sophia in our prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, you are of no good to Sophia or anyone like her. If you don't prioritize yourself, your own safety um, and your own health and wellness Mm-hmm. Um, by by removing yourself from a very toxic situation, um, you know that is cloaked in white fragility. Mm-hmm. Um, so listen, there are there are things that that come with being in close proximity to whiteness, not white people, whiteness as a construct, mm-hmm. um, and. Unfortunately, I think some of the things that you are experiencing are byproducts of of whiteness as as manifested um, in the life of this white woman and her family. And these are things, unfortunately, that you don't have any control over. So what you do have control over is yourself. So that's that's why I just say get all your things and go, girl, Mm -hmm. and charge this one to the game. I will certainly be praying um, for you that you can find a better situation. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and a means for taking care of yourself um, quickly and I trust that you you will be able to do that um, but yeah those, those are my thoughts I hope that they are helpful sis what you got for Geraldine I agree with you I, I think it's time to go I understand that you might feel a guilt and a responsibility for Sophia um, but you have to take care of yourself as you heard us talk about in the kitchen table talk there is a, a, a certain point in which there is a level of abuse and um, and, 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 and microaggressions and, and major aggressions and all of those things that you don't have to deal with. And unfortunately, it is not your responsibility. Um, you're, you, you don't have to sit in that situation uh, in order to, to nurture this child, because that's, that's not what you were put here for. Like you're unfortunately not her mother 
And you shouldn't have to suffer in order for that. And I know that that you probably feel guilt and complicated feelings surrounding that, but you've got to take care of yourself first. And so like Kia said, we will be praying for you. Please, please, please keep us updated. Let us know if there are ways in which we can help. But that sounds like a very toxic situation and not good for your mental health, your emotional health, and your well-being overall. So I agree with Kia. It's time to go. I hope that was helpful, sis. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Um, Continue to send your honesty box questions to gettinggrownpodcast at gmail.com. And please know that they are always read with love and with Mm -hmm. the purest of intentions. Um, So continue to do that. And please keep us updated, Geraldine. We, you know, we want to make sure you're good. And with that being said, let's move on to this black woman self-care. All right, black woman self-care time. So my black woman self-care is actually similar to yours from the other week. I've been taking a few moments to myself before I go to bed to do some reading. And the self-care itself, I've I've been reading actually The Spirit of Intimacy uh, by Sobonfu Somme, um, which is a, a really beautiful book about it's ancient African teachings in the ways of relationships. So she speaks about uh, certain things in the Western world, but really takes it back to to her village and where she's from and, and some of those core values and things that they had as a people that we've kind of forgotten and lost in the Western world and then how that relates to your personal relationships and your intimacy and so forth. So it's a beautiful read. But my actual mm-hmm. black woman self-care is, um, is I've been doing this reading before I like turn on the TV because I find Mm -hmm. that if I'm tired, which I am when I get in the bed, that if I turn on the TV, I'm going to go to sleep to the TV. I just know how I am. And I've been trying to do better about that, but I can't help it. And I say, okay, if I read that I'm not really pulling everything that I'm getting from this because I'm falling asleep, how do I? So I started doing my reading before I do my TV time because my TV time is also my self care. Like Mm -hmm. I don't get a lot of it. But I give myself about an hour before I go to bed where it's just mine to watch whatever mindless mess that I want to watch in order Mm -hmm. to just, you know. But before I do that, I do my little 15, 20 minutes of reading. And I'm finding that I've been wanting to to, uh, build that muscle, um, as Kia brought out earlier. But I've been wanting to build Mm -hmm. that muscle of self-care and also very intentional self-care. So there was very specific things that I wanted to do. And so this has been one of the things, and it's nice, where I take that that time, that very intentional time to do my reading, and then I'm able to kind of make time for whatever else comes after that. And if I fall asleep, at least I know I was able to fill myself with something. So that's my Black woman self-care this week. I love it. Um, mine is, uh, I have been trying to allow myself to feel my feelings. Um, I know that my tendency is to um, dismiss myself when I am dealing with any kind of grief or sadness um, or try to rush through those feelings such that I can kind of rid myself of the discomfort mm-hmm. <laughs> that comes with them. Um, but I've been I've been very intentional about allowing myself um to have that space to feel whatever I'm feeling in that moment 
recognizing that it is okay for me to be like, I, I can be grateful and appreciative mm-hmm. um, and acknowledging of all of the things, the blessings that are, that I have in my life while also um, being present in whatever sadness um, that I might find myself in whatever frustration that I might find myself in at the time. So creating space in my life to allow um, my emotions to be what they are when I need them to be what they are is the way that the way that I have been prioritizing my self-care as a black woman this week. That's beautiful, sis. And that's necessary. Um, like Fran was talking about in the kitchen table talk, you got to you got to let those feelings in like guests and you've got to sit with mm-hmm. each one of them and, and, and get to know them and understand why they're there and they won't stay forever. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So it's good to sit and really like meditate on that and figure out why you're feeling the way that you're feeling. Cause you are entitled sure, to sure. that. So I love to hear it. I love to hear it. You all send us to your black woman, self-care, your black person, self-care. Please send it to us. We'd love to to read some other self-cares. We were getting some for a little bit, and I know we kind of fell off a little bit, but we'd love to get back into that. So I want I want to hear from you all um, on what you've been doing to take care of yourself in this madness of a time, these, these very specific chapters of this history book that we're living in. So, whew. <laughs> mm. let's get on to this, these petty peeves, though. Let's do it. All right, let's put our petty on parade. So there's a lot of things that we can complain about, right? Very Solange, we got a lot to be mad about. (laughs) Mine is super petty this week, but also very, very irritating. Um, Still in the vein of sounds. We talked about these wretched government-planted fireworks. However, (laughs) I would like to specifically talk to the Negroes in my neighborhood who play their music so loud that I can hear the ad libs in my house. Like I can hear every beat, rhythm, every ad lib, every verse, every hook. I'm singing along. There's, (laughs) if I can hear this so clearly in my home, how the hell can you hear anything? I'm I'm, I'm not understanding. (laughs) because i was always told when you play stuff at ignorant levels eventually your hearing is gonna go out are you playing this because your hearing has gone out like because you played music this loud i'm not sure all i know is i hear it in here and i don't want to and i'm tired of the shit and i don't want to hear it at 2 a.m specifically people's babies Mm. asleep kids dogs rabbits cats whatever the fuck Mm. people's Everything's asleep, and you niggas want to blast Tory Lanes at two twelve a.m. What? Trash. Please, I cannot wait for your subwoofer to go out. So that's my petty peeve this week. Man, listen. Okay. Um. I okay. So I don't know if it is it is a targeted um petty peeve i don't know that this this is something that i want to take out on all postal workers Mm -hmm. because i had a trip to the post office this weekend where i was confronted first with postal post post worker staff post office staff Mm -hmm. who were not masked Mm. i was very concerned about that Mm. um and secondly i understand that that probably due to covid and other things that that um you know, the post office amongst other kinds of businesses are um, 
cutting down on the number of staff that are working at any given time to hopefully promote social distancing. Mm -hmm. Howsoever, I don't necessarily believe that these uh, these cuts are being made with any sort of consideration of what that will do to the flow of business Mm -hmm. um, on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. So this particular Saturday that I I went to the post office, I was um, I got the post. Let's say the post office closes at at two o'clock. I arrive around twelve thirty and was told by other patrons that were exiting the post office that the post office was closed. And I'm like, but no, the hours they're open until two. No, the lady at the desk said that she didn't take a lunch today. So she closed the post office so that she could take a lunch. I get it. Now I'm not saying that this woman does not deserve to have her lunch break. Um, I, I, I am saying that the post office, these are, this is the busiest day maybe that the post office has and literally at a critical time. Um, so, I, so I'm just saying, I don't know whose fault is, is it, but I know that the post office cannot just arbitrarily close. No, it can't. Um, like that. Like I understand whatever, whoever is responsible for there not being, um, you know, adequate staffing in place to mm-hmm. kind of keep folks coming, keep business going. Um, you know, we all trying to catch the post office on Saturday before they close because we know if we don't, we'll have to wait all the way till Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even have any packages to send. I had things to pick up from my P.O. box. So I just needed somebody to literally wheel my stuff to the front. But I had to wait um, about 40 minutes for an old girl to, um, I guess, finish doing whatever it is that she needed to do on her lunch break. Um, So, yeah, that's my petty piece. She had to be big fed up. But you all have to figure out resolutions on what to do. Like, it's not conducive, like Kia said, to be cutting all this damn staff. To the point where people are overworked and they're fed up, they're gonna they're gonna close the post office at three fifteen on an afternoon so that they can eat a turkey sandwich. Like they should never be pushed to have to do things like that. So I fix your it. systems. And and furthermore, it's not easy to get to like you gotta get to the but you have to schedule time to get to the post office. Like people don't just it's up and run to the post office. They make it a like it's a thing. It is something that you have to put in your schedule. So it's not convenient for somebody to have to A, wait 40 minutes or B, have to come back because you niggas want to cut people's pay and cut staff. And now they're overworked and they haven't eaten since 830 a.m. and they need a tuna sandwich now. Mm -hmm. That part. I pray your strength. Well, that is another episode of Getting Grown. Um, thank you again to Franiqua for coming through and sitting with us at the a kitchen good table. Time was had. Always such a useful, beautiful, good time of a conversation. And so awesome. we hope you all exactly. were able to pull something from that. Um, do you have any announcements? I haven't actually. I am um grateful to all of y'all for continuing to uh, you know, check in with us, making sure that you're listening to the Getting Grown shows as they roll out. We appreciate your patience, um, given different scheduling and other kinds of, you know, personal things that we were navigating in our lives. 
Um, so we just love y'all for being understanding and respectful of the times when we need to make adjustments. Absolutely. Um, so um, thank y'all. Con- thank major shout outs always to Team Typing Fast and yes. everyone who's continuing to work um, remotely from mm-hmm. our respective homes on our respective projects. Mm-hmm. Um, we're probably going to be doing another virtual writing group this week, Wednesday, I'm pretty sure. So be sure to keep a lookout on my social media so that you can see the signups and that you can hopefully join us um, because we'd be having a good time, you know, doing our work and listening to our musics. I love it. And uh, thank you to everybody who continues to support the Patreon, continues to support us. Like Kia said, we are super grateful. I will ask one thing of you all, you know, we don't ask often. Um, please rate us five stars on whatever platform you're listening on because it is important. It is how we keep 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 pushing and keep going it is just the smallest thing to do in the world just go ahead and rate us them five stars and and you know like comments and subscribe on every platform or whatever that you can and pass it on to your own people um and with that being said also drink your water because it's very important that we keep our insides as clear as our outsides mind (laughs) your business because the government is not doing so and has therefore infected the entire world. And sis, close them out. And moisturize your skin mm-hmm. at all times and at all costs. Yeah. And it's critical and essential work because your black will crack if it's dry. Bye. Have an awesome day, ladies and gentlemen. Ben and Jerry's three new non-dairy frozen desserts are a new twist on vegan euphoria. The Ben & Jerry's Flavor Gurus have taken a big leap this time. Their three non-dairy flavors are made with sunflower butter, and they're the perfect sweet treat for vegans, vegetarians, and everyone in between. Check out the Ben & Jerry's Sunflower Butter lineup and the whole non-dairy family at benjerry.com. That's B-E-N-J-E-R-R-Y dot com.